Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Prince Associates for all your insurance needs, the Phoenix Tube Company, the law firm of Declator Cohen and DePrisco, Solomon Jewelers, and General Needs Charity, serving our homeless veterans with dignity. And now, here are your hosts, Mark and AJ. Joining us now is the man who played Major League Baseball from 1992 to 2003 for the Minnesota Twins, Boston Red Sox, New York Mets, Texas Rangers, Chicago Cubs, and Pittsburgh Pirates. He also pitched two seasons in the Nippon Professional Baseball League, 1997 and 98. For the Bay Stars, he most recently played for the Grand Prairie Air Dogs of the Independent American Association. Prior to his major league career, he was a standout athlete in high school where he played varsity baseball, basketball, and football. He didn't begin pitching until his senior year of uh, high school due to an injury to a teammate. He signed a letter of intent to play college baseball at Arkansas and declined scholarships to play college basketball and football. He was drafted by the Twins in the sixth round of the 1988 Major League Baseball draft and chose to begin a professional career. On top of all that, he is the father to one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. It's a pleasure to welcome Pat Mahomes to WLIE Sports Talk New York. Welcome, Pat. Hey, how you doing? We're doing great. You know, so I knew that you were a very good high school athlete. I didn't really truly comprehend the scope of it until I started reading articles this week in prep for this interview. Reading the articles about you playing quarterback they really easily could have been written about your son, Patrick. So first off, how similar is Patrick's style of play to the way you played back in the late 80s at Lindell High School? Uh, pretty much uh, pretty much alike, but uh, Patrick, uh, we didn't throw the ball that much. You know, back in those days, you, we, in Texas, you did a lot of beer, uh, a lot of uh, running the ball. You know, I got to throw the ball maybe like 20 times a game, whereas Patrick, you know, it, they were throwing <laughs> yeah. the ball, you know, up up. Yeah. Right. You know, you're also a tremendous basketball player. Uh, you only, like we mentioned in the open, you only started to pitch in your senior year. You had scholarships on the table for basketball and football, yet after you were drafted by the Twins, you opted to sign with them. What were some of the more uh, attractive scholarship offers on the table, and why did you ultimately choose baseball over those two other sports? Well, it was the, the sport that I had played the longest. You know, I'd had a, a lot of success in uh in baseball, um, I actually was going to go play basketball and baseball at Arkansas. That's where I signed my letter of intent to go to. But uh, baseball was something I'd done ever since I was four years old, and, and I'd always been pretty good at it. So I just figured that would probably be the, the easiest way for me to be a professional athlete. You know, we talk about special athletes, and you head to Tennessee as a 17-year-old to play in the Appalachian League, and really, you only had one year under your belt of high school pitching, yet you go 6-3 and three in your first pro season. What do you remember most about that first professional season, and were you surprised at the level of success you achieved, having only pitched for one year? Uh, probably the thing I remember most is my first professional baseball game uh, that I pitched, uh, I got one out, and uh, I gave up nine runs. And I remember walking off the mound and, and going to call my dad at the payphone. Yes, they had payphones back then. <laughs> and uh, telling him that I was coming home and that I wasn't going to pitch anymore. But uh, he told me, he said, just hang in there and just see what it does. And uh, and I remember waking up the next morning, and my ERA was 243. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, so what, what happened after a game like that? What, are the, what does the, the manager take you aside or the pitching coach and say, okay, 
you know, get it out of your mind. What do you have to work on? What was the biggest thing if he, they told you you had to work on in those first couple of games? Oh, I mean, you're pretty much a grown man then. So, I mean, it wasn't a lot said. I mean, I knew I was going to get the ball in five more days, and I knew I was better than that. So, after that, you know, uh, everything went good. You know, I ended up, you know, being second in the league in strikeouts and in the top ten in the ERA and in the top ten in wins. So, you know, everything went good after that. And then after that, it just kept on rolling all the way till I got to the big leagues. Like you said, I mean, you actually continue to move up that ladder, have amazing seasons in 91, splitting time between AA and AAA. Jim Schellenbach, the former Senators pitcher, Gordon Heimiller was the uh, former Oakland A, were your pitching coaches this season. All, of all the guys in the minors, including teammates, which is the guy that you know, mentored you the most or taught you the most prior to getting to the, the majors? Um, um, a good friend of mine, Johnny Ard, was you know, a big influence on me. And uh, Willie Banks, you know, was uh, a really big influence on me. But uh, the, my manager, Scott Olger, uh, he kind of moved up every level with me from A-ball, you know, all the way to the big leagues. And, you know, he was the guy that let me, you know, go out and perform and, and do the stuff that I did because my style was a little unorthodox. You know, pitchers aren't supposed to be, you know, loud and, and, and boisterous. And, and that kind of stuff is what, you know, got me going so I you know I love the competition and after that you know he let me do that and everything just went smooth we're talking to former New York Met Pat Mahomes 1992 21 years old you make the team out of spring training you started the Minnesota Twins sixth game of the season April 12th at the Metrodome it's against the Rangers against Kevin Brown the first inning doesn't go exactly as you would like it much better than your first professional inning but still maybe not the way you wanted it to go what do you remember most about that start and you know past that first inning uh i remember walking the first two guys on eight strike and uh, and realizing that uh i was being tested there uh <laughs> i got the next couple guys out then i gave a three run homer to uh juan gonzalez Right. And I remember it was against my home team, the Texas Rangers, and it was on ESPN. And I remember stepping back off the mound and saying, okay, you, know, you got all everything out the way, so let's go. And then after that, you know, it went smooth. I think I ended up pitching like six innings, and I just gave up those three runs, and I think I gave up maybe two hits for the whole game. So yep. only know, one more hit. After that. Right. Only one more hit after the two walks, the home run, one balk in that first inning as well. But uh, uh, not a, you know, these days that's definitely a quality start. You get your first major league win in the next start, April 21st against the Mariners. You played with the Twins into the 1996 season, appearing in a total of 114 games, 51 starts during five seasons. While combined, uh, you know, with the Twins, those are pretty good numbers, yet they trade you to the Red Sox on August 26th. What's your initial reaction to being traded from, at that point, the only professional team you had known up until that point in your career? Well, I asked for it. You know, um, I, I really felt that I needed to change the scenery. Uh, me and the manager, you know, I mean, he's the guy that gave me my first shot, but, you know, we didn't see eye to eye on a lot of things, whereas I was saying for it, you know, like, my other manager let me, you know, be who I was out on the mound. He kind of, you know, he toned it down a lot, and I just didn't feel like, you know, I was, you know, being able to be the best that I could be. And I was hoping to get, you know, go somewhere else and maybe start again. 
And the place you end up is Boston. And it's interesting because you appear 21 games with them, all in relief during 96-97. You have a 3-0 and record, 11 strikeouts in 22 in the third innings, but yet you're released by, by the Red Sox. Were you surprised by the, the release at that point in your career? Uh, I, my contract was actually uh, bought out by yeah. the team in Japan. Um, I had got sent down to AAA, and uh, I, I was there for like a month, and I pitched really, really well, and I had got called back up. So I was given the opportunity to go to Japan, and so you know I asked them for my release, and I went over there and played for about a year and a half. It's interesting because over the course of, I guess, 12 to 13 years of doing this show, AJ and I have spoken to a number of players that have gone over to Japan and played, and we get a, a very varied opinion of the culture, playing there. Uh, it seems like most of the pick pitchers that we've spoken to liked it, and most of the hitters did not. Eric Hillman particularly right. loved the, the what they called the fight money. Well, that I mean, I mean Eric Hillman is a, <laughs> a, a peculiar human being. He's, uh, he's in a class, of, he's don't in a class make fun by of himself. My don't no, 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 I'm saying, I'm saying, you know, he's, uh, they, they don't make them like Eric a lot. So, but but he said it was very unique, especially for the pitchers. What what was your impression of your days over there and playing there? Well, I loved it there. I mean, the fight money was nice, <laughs> you know, like Eric said. But uh, you know, I actually loved it over there, and uh, I got it. You know, got a chance to, to go over there and pitch. I got a chance to hit. You know, something that I hadn't done since high school, which I thought you know I was going to get drafted as an outfielder. But uh, I got a chance to hit and everything, and then it. It ultimately led me, you know, to the New York Mets where I got to play for Bobby Valentine, which was probably the best manager I ever had. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that. As you mentioned, the Mets signed you December of 98, along with another pitcher named Jody Treadwell for a spring training invite. You make the Mets, and I agree, Bobby Valentine gets the most out of you. You go 8-0 and in the 99 season, 39 relief appearance, helped the Mets reach the playoffs. How much did Bobby's confidence in you out of the pen contribute to that outstanding season you had? Oh, that was the key. You know, I knew that he was – he knew that I liked to pitch. He knew I liked to pitch often, and he didn't have a role for me. You know, he didn't play me – I didn't pitch just as a long man. You know, I pitched, you know, whenever he had to hunt that it was a good spot for me, and uh, I was able to perform for him. I mean, he let me be myself, and – uh I also got the hit, so man, I, I you know I had a great time, and you know the best two years of of my professional career. You made four outstanding relief appearances during the postseason that season as well, recording a two point two five ERA and eight innings pitch while striking out four. Mets, as we all know, lost to the Braves in the NLCS. What did you learn about yourself as a pitcher in those high stakes situations in playoffs, and how does that differ? from regular season games? Because as fans, people expect a pitcher you know, to mimic what they do in the regular season, and, and we see this a lot with relief pitchers. It doesn't always go the same way you know, in the postseason as it does in regular season. What did you learn about yourself in those high-stakes situations? Uh, I, I don't know what I learned about myself. I just knew that I always loved to pitch in the big moments, and uh, I got the opportunity to really come into a lot of close games and, and, and contribute. And that's what I live for. I mean, as a professional athlete, you want to compete against the best. And to me, the Braves were the best at that time. And, and the robbery that we had going on, I mean, it just got the juices going even more. And to go out there and perform and, and be able to, to do my job and not let anybody on the team down, man, it was just it was an unbelievable feeling. 
2000, you go 5-3, and three, 53 appearances, 5 starts. Your two-season total with the Mets, 92 regular season games, 13-3, and three, 127 strikeouts, 57 and two-thirds innings. You become a free agent, and the Mets don't offer you a contract. Um, you look at those numbers right now. You think of what that contract you know, would get you right now if you were a free agent in today's game. Were you shocked that the Mets did not give you a contract to come back? Uh, yeah, I was a little shocked, but you know, uh, we had, had you know two good years. You know, we we had the best thing. We probably had ninety nine, and we come up short against the Braves. And then in two thousand, you know, we came up short against the Yankees. And I just think it was they were trying to move into a different direction, and and also afforded me the opportunity to go home and you know and and play for Texas. So you have three fairly consistent seasons: one with the Rangers, then with the Cubs, finally the Pirates. Each year, you're a free agent. Um, you know, then you spent several years trying to get back to the majors, including a stint right here with the Ducks, who at that time also had Nelson Figueroa and Bill Pulsifer on that pitching staff. You know, at what point, you know, that, that's a lot of travel, and, and it's a lot of minor league ball. What was the incentive? What was your driving force to try and get back to the majors? And at what point did you say, okay, it's not going to happen? And was that a very difficult decision for you? Well, you know, I just had a bitter taste in my mouth. You know, um, my last game I pitched in the big leagues, you know, it was a spot start for the Pirates. And uh, I threw two innings the day before, and I ended up getting to the field, and one of the guys was sick, uh, I think it was Jeff D'Amico, and I ended up getting a spot start. And I remember, you know, going out, and they wanted me to pitch two or three innings, and I threw, you know, four no-hit innings. And then I gave up a two-run homer in the fifth, and I ended up getting a win that game. And then the next day they sent me out. So, you know, it was kind of – I knew I could still pitch there. Uh, I knew I could still pitch in the big leagues, and I was just hoping that somebody would give me the opportunity, you know, to go out there and show that I could still perform. September 17, 1995, while you're a member of the Minnesota Twins, your son Patrick is born. As he gets older, he starts following in your footsteps as he played football, baseball, and basketball in high school. In football, he had 4,619 passing yards, 50 passing touchdowns, 948 rushing yards, 15 touchdowns as a senior. In baseball, he threw a no-hitter with 16 strikeouts in the game in his senior year. He was named the Max Preps Male Athlete of the Year for 2013-2014. As a parent who has been around and played against world-class athletes your whole life, could you tell early on what a special athlete Patrick was? Yeah, I knew when, since once he was five years old that you know that there was a good chance he was going to be a professional athlete. I mean, just the way he carried himself, the way he listened, the way he learned, you know, and and took in what everybody said. Um, just kind of knew that you know, that he was going to be a player. I didn't know what sport, you know, I probably would have picked football last, but um, I knew he was going to, you know, I knew he was going to be a, uh, a special athlete. And uh, luckily he was able to, you know, keep on going and keep on improving. And and God gave him that right arm that he had. So, um, you know, it made it pretty easy for him. The left so, one ain't too bad either. Right. So, so, so Patrick has talked about going to games and, and, and playing catch with Alex Rodriguez and, and other players. At what point did you start taking him to games or bringing him around the ballpark? How do you think that affected his decision to go on and be an athlete? Well, I started bringing him at four. You know, he, he, came, out, he came out playing ball. I mean, <laughs> I mean as, as soon as he could walk, you know, he had a ball in his hand. But uh, I started taking him to the field when he was four. Uh, uh, when I was with the Mets a little bit, you know, I had the uniform made for him and 
took him out there. And, you know, the coaches and stuff were scared, you know, scared that he was going to get hit and everything. But I told him, I said, if he gets hit, you know, he won't do it again. So <laughs> uh, I think he was five when he started catching him off the bat, you know, out there in the outfield. And he just, you know, he's been, if there's a ball, he's been playing it ever since, you know, he, he, could, he could walk. So you mentioned early, as early as four or five years old. So I wanted to ask you, except following up on AJ's question about you know bringing him to the games and your role as a parent in mentoring him and also you know protecting him and keeping him away from that limelight and how much that limelight has kind of prepared him to be in where he is now and how impressive he not only handles himself on the field but off the field. Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, he's. He's kind of been groomed to do it, you know. Um, you know, I, you know, I always kept him around so he could see it. You know, I wanted him to be at the stadium when there was fifty thousand people there. You know, I wanted him to to be at the stadium when things weren't going good and just see how how athletes carried themselves, how they prepared and worked every day. And and he 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 absorbed it all and he watched. I mean, he he would watch. You know, guys that would hit you know, the best in the game that would hit three or four home runs in a week and still come in the next day working hard and hard. And I think that kind of gave him an idea of how hard it is to, to get there and plus how much harder it is to stay there. You know, I'm going to piggyback on that. Aside from all the other guys that he was around in the locker room, there's one guy, um, maybe the best clubhouse guys to ever played in, in baseball, and that's Latroy Hawkins. How much being around Latroy, who is his actual godfather, has helped Patrick to become a leader? Oh yeah, Latroy is, is huge in his life. I mean, uh, he he's always been around. I mean, me and Latroy were roommates in Puerto Rico when Patrick was you know, two or three years old, and he's been there with him, you know, you know, through it all. I mean, he, he, he came to his high school games. He came to his, you know, his summer games, and and for him to get to see LaTroy, the way he carried himself for the 20-plus years he played in the big leagues, I mean, he just, he, he talks to him all the time. He asks him some of the questions because, as you know, you know, you don't ask your father everything. Sometimes <laughs> you have to you know, go outside and find somebody else. And, and he was lucky enough to have LaTroy there to be able to, to kind of show him how to do things right. Patrick was a top prospect for the 2014 Major League Baseball draft, but was not expected to be selected high due to his commitment to Texas Tech. He was, however, selected by the Detroit Tigers in the 37th round, but did not sign. I have to imagine, even with all his success and his commitment to Texas Tech, no matter what round he was selected, that had to be a special moment, having your son drafted in the same pro sport that you were. What, what do you remember about draft day, and did it have meaning to you? Yeah, I remember sitting at the house with his mother, me and him and his mother sitting there waiting on the call. And I remember the phone ringing uh, the second day, you know, in between the, the first round of the sandwich picks. And the guy said, hey, this is, you know, the Arizona Diamondbacks. I got, you know, 1.6. Will that get it done? And I remember him he's saying, no, sir, and hanging up the phone and going to get in his car and start driving to Lubbock and thinking uh, maybe uh, he's making the wrong decision. But, uh you know, everything turned out. He wanted to play football. He wanted to try it out, and it uh, looks like he made the right decision. So how, how important was it? I read something that said that his mother in particular wanted to go to college because neither she nor you went to college. And choosing going to college and not being, signing after being drafted, how much was that a factor? How do you feel that uh, the decision was at least to go to, to Texas Tech to go to college and get an education? How important was it to you compared to, say, his mother? 
Well, I mean, I mean, that's kind of a you know win-win situation. <laughs> you know, to be able to, you know, to be able to go to college and you know, he's, I think it's like twelve or fourteen hours short of his degree. You know, to be able to to go there and and have the success he did in the classroom as well as on the field. You know, is only things that can help you in the long run. Um, I remember when he had left. I remember the Detroit Tigers scout calling me and telling me he goes, uh, you know. I know Patrick's not going to sign, but we're going to draft him anyway because he was such a you know a good kid, and we wanted to, him to be able to say that he got drafted. And so you know that meant a lot. That just let me know what kind of man he was becoming, and that makes you so much prouder. And then to you know to get a chance to go to Tech and go to school and work on his degree. I mean, it's all just big bonus. Yeah, what's been so cool about Patrick's career is we've gotten to see it unfold on social media through a parent's eyes. And I really have to commend you as, you know, in a world of social media that has the LeVar Bells of the world, your focus really seems to be just on the pure joy of watching Patrick play. So I have to imagine the day he showed up to play wearing a Pat Mahomes Met jersey, then wearing it for the post-game press conference, had to have added significance to you. What was that day like for you? Uh, it was pretty much one of the best the best days of my life. You know, um, I've been, you know, following him, you know, since he started playing ball. You know, I've been, I've traveled many miles. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, it was, you know, six and a half hours each way to, you know, the Lubbock area weekend or, 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 or 12 hours to El Paso or whatever. And, you know, for him to kind of, you know, wear that jersey, you know, on primetime game and, it was just kind of a something that he did for me to let me know that he appreciated me always being there, and 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 I wouldn't miss it for the world. You know, and the beauty is, if you know, if you've been lucky enough to follow or be friends with Pat Mahomes on Facebook, you you go back and you look at the photographs when Patrick was little, and whether it be at a you know a baseball tournament or a, a football game. And you just see the joy on Pat's face, the smile. It's, it's really refreshing to see, especially in this day with social media. Um, we mentioned what a really good high school quarterback you were. And the fact that you were a professional athlete who pitched in high-pressure postseason games. You mentioned that you don't ask your dad everything. But has Patrick called on you, at, you know, before certain games and asked for advice? Uh, I mean, I talked to him before every game. You know, I, I always, I, ever since he was in seventh grade, I always text him before, the, you know, the day of the game and, and, and give him a few words, you know, and then I always end it with, you know, you know, I love you and, you know, players make plays. So, you know, as far as, you know, him asking me about different situations, I, I really don't, don't think he looks at it like that. I, I think he looks at it like he's just playing a game and, you know, he's going to do whatever he can you know, whether it be throw for 500 yards or throw for 150 yards, he's going to do whatever he can, you know, to try to win that game. So, you know, he's he's a student of the game. He studies. I mean, he prepares himself. And like I told him, if you prepare yourself, then, you know, that's the best you can do. And, and, and I think he does that very well. So how excited are you over the success of the Kansas City Chiefs this year? They traded – they let Alex Smith go to make room for Patrick. And, of course, he just carried the team. The offense is a total juggernaut this year. How do you look at this? How excited are you looking ahead, maybe even, you know, to the postseason going on there? Well, it's a great feeling. It's a great feeling. You know, uh, he didn't get a chance to win a lot in college. You know, he, 
He actually played. He had some really, really good years there at Tech, but they didn't have a lot of success winning games. And for him now to get the opportunity to go out there and and play at the highest level, and you know, and realize you know a dream that he had and a goal, you know, be able to achieve a goal that that he set for himself, you know, and then to have the success, you know, to booster it, you know, to bolster it, um, um, it's just. It's just rewarding. I mean, it, it, it makes him feel like the hard work paid off, and I'm just glad he's having a, you know, a good time out there and having fun doing the thing that he loves to do. You know, when they talk about pitching, especially your hitting in baseball, it's all about success is making adjustments. Uh, what type of adjustments have you seen Patrick feeling he's had to make this year as defenses watch film, read him, catch up with him? What type of adjustments do you think you know, he's had to make, and how has he reacted to having to make the adjustments? Well, I mean, he's had to keep his nose in the playbook and, you know, and, and make sacrifices. And, you know, that might mean, you know, staying at home every night and, and watching film and, and doing this and that and, and preparing yourself to be, you know, prepared for whatever they throw at you. And, you know, he, he's a work in progress. I mean, he's steady working. He, he's been fortunate enough to have, you know, Andy Reid there, uh, Eric Bieniemy, and, you know, Mike Kafka, you know, they're working with him every day, you know, you know pushing him to get better and better. And then, you know, the weapons he has on the team, you know, that, that, that's also been a blessing. So he's just kind of, you know, doing what he's always done. He's trying to get rid of the ball and, and get the ball in the hand of his playmakers and, and, you know, and go from there. So has Patrick offered to share his lifetime supply of catch-up with you if he breaks Peyton's 55 touching, uh, touchdown passes? With, if he hits uh, the 57, Heinz Ketchup is uh, giving him a lifetime supply of catch-up. Well, he has an offer to he has an offer to share, but I think uh, if he if he was able to get that, I think he'll probably share that with his teammates a little <laughs> bit more than he would with me. So, he mentioned moving on from Alex Smith, but I think it's such a credit to the character of of Pat and and Patrick and of how he handled sitting on the bench for a year and learning all he could and being a sponge, getting him his nose in the playbook, as you said, learning from Alex Smith, learning from Andy Reid. And then how seamlessly the transition has been, I think, is a credit to him and his character. Well, well, Alex was great. You know, uh, Alex, you know, did stuff that he didn't have to do. You know, that there's not a lot of professional athletes that would, you know, mentor a guy that, mm-hmm. you know, come in that plays the same spot that their position they're playing, especially, you know, being a first-round pick and knowing that, you know, he's probably going to replace him at some point. But, you know, he was great to him. You know, he, he, he always kept the – the room open for questions and, and allow Patrick to go in there and learn as much as he could from him. And I think it really helped Patrick for the fact that he took some of Alex's game, you know, being able to not always, you know, go for the home run, you know, take singles here and there. And it's all just coming together. So, uh, you know, in a season that is just a human highlight reel, you know, I've become a, a huge Kansas City Chiefs fan. What's your favorite Patrick Mahomes moment of this season? Uh, probably the play when uh, he was scrambling around. He went to one side of the field and he Pittsburgh, came back to the other side. Yeah. And um, he threw it, you know, on the I'm, run. I'm and and yeah. split, split the two, you know, the two defensive backs and threw a touchdown to Chris Conley. Yeah. <laughs> it's, nice. it, I mean, there's, there's probably about 20 plays you could pick. So what are the odds we see at some point Patrick completing a touchdown pass to his brother Graham in the NFL? <laughs> uh, I don't know about the odds of that. You know, we just—he's—he's uh, he's grinding. He's trying to get better. You know, we got to go to college first. So, uh, <laughs> hopefully, um, uh, Patrick's able to, you know, 
keep playing for a long time, and hopefully Graham's able to get a chance to get up there one day, and, and hopefully we can make that happen. What's the level of play at Avon Hills? I, I know they had a very, very good hockey program for many, many years. What, what's the level of play of football over there? Uh, it's pretty good. I mean, it's, uh, it's all-boys school. Um, I, I guess they played uh, different, you know, different states and everything. Um, it's pretty good quality football. Uh, actually, his quarterback that he has there now is, is going to Clemson. So oh. you got some athletes out there on the field. So, you know, it's pretty good football. Awesome. Patrick, Pat, thanks so much for your time tonight. And although I've thanked you for this before, I just wanted to do it again publicly. As way back in 2000, AJ and I took our sons down to Port St. Lucie for spring training. You took the time out to sign autographs for both of them. You spent time with them. It's been great watching Patrick grow into a superstar through your proud eyes on social media. I actually was able to post that picture of you. And my son and AJ and his son, you know, getting autographs from you. So it's pretty cool that, that we have all these memories and photos, and we're able to share them on social media. So thanks again. It's always great talking to you. We, we love having you on. Oh, you're welcome, and uh, thanks for having me, and anytime. You got it. Pat Mahomes, former Major League pitcher, now number one Kansas City Chief and Patrick Mahomes fan.